talk about a book from the New Testament that a guy called Paul wrote. And it's called 2 Corinthians. The reason it's called 2 Corinthians is because there was a 1 Corinthians, which was uh, the first letter we have. He actually probably wrote four letters to this church. We only have two of them. Two of them seem to have got lost in history. Uh, And the thing that's really interesting is that Paul was the guy who went to Corinth and started the church there. uh, But then he, he was away a lot. And there was a lot in these letters to the church in Corinth. There's some of the most sort of exposed wrestling with like, how do we actually become people who know Jesus and live for Jesus? What does that actually look like? And some of the guys who find it hardest lived in Corinth. So it's such a helpful book because it shows you ultimately where this message about Jesus really will rub up against your life. What difference will it really make to you? And at the moment, um, I've been reading a lot over the summer from uh, cultural commentators, sociologists, uh, philosophers looking at life. And they say, actually, if you look at what's happening in our world at the moment, the closest parallel in history to what's going on right now is the first century Roman situation, where just there's a whole range of different thoughts, different ideas floating around. So I think this is an amazing thing for us to look at. And you might be here and you've never really thought about Jesus. And I want to tell you, you're in a great place. This is a great place to do that. You might be here, and actually over the last 18 months or so, you've thought, there's a bit of, maybe there's a bit of deconstructing of what living with Jesus used to look like. And now what am I going to construct in that place? What am I going to make it look like? What, what could it be? And I think that Jesus wants to say to us, be the church. Be the church as he defines the church. Let's be the people, the community of people formed in grace by his gospel who live it out. And so we're going to start, first of all, where Paul starts. The self. The self. Self is a massive thing. Do you ever have or come across people who are asking, who are we? Uh, Kind of, who are we as human beings? What does it mean to be a human being? being on TV, in film, you'll see things like, who do you think you are? It's a TV show. You, you know, who am I? I want to look back in history. I want to look back in my family tree. Or films like Free Guy, like exploring. Well, hold on a minute. Am I really just this person in a, in a, mo- in a game? Truman Show, similar things in the past. There's a big, big question. Who am I? Who are we? What, what's life all about? How do I discover all of this? And Paul, you know, talks about this. He starts his gospel really talking about the self. This is from the first chapter. And what would be amazing, if you have a Bible, would be just to have chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians open in front of you. Because I'm just, we're not going to read through the whole thing because it's quite long. But you might want to feel like there's certain bits. I'm going to suggest you highlight certain bits because I think they're key bits in the chapter. 2 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament. If that's your Bible... It's about that far through. So, I mean, obviously, nowadays, you just have a phone, you just scroll 2 Corinthians, whatever. Much easier. This is our boast, Paul says. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, the guys in Corinth, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We've done so not according to the wisdom of the age, but according to God's grace. That's verse 12. And what I'd love you to do is put a circle around conducted. We have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations to you. And he says, we've done so not according, put a circle around wisdom of the age, or it might say something like, well, uh, different translations, but it might, uh, you know, worldly wisdom or something like that. 
the wisdom of the, yeah? Put a circle around that, and then put a circle around God, God's grace. And what Paul is basically saying is, I love this word, conducting ourselves. I've, we've not conducted ourselves. Because in the English, the word conductor, you think of one of those, right? Yeah, have you ever been, seen somebody conducting in an orchestra? Uh, and what the conductor does is like, here's the music, now play along. And what Paul is basically saying this, he says this to all his letters, like, there's like a backing track in your head. There's a backing track in your head. And this backing track causes you to live a certain way. So I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever been in one of these moments. For most of us, there'll be a, potentially, if we've grown up in this country, there'll be a moment where you've first gone to what's called a cheese night. Have you ever been somewhere where a cheese night, where they play cheese, what they call cheese music? And the first time you walk into these, one of these strange events, you'll, you'll start hearing music like, dun, dun, dun. And then suddenly everybody in the room starts going. You ever been one of those? And you're looking around and thinking, what? And you can't start joining in. And once you've been to a few of those, if, if I was to sing YMCA, the vast majority of us would almost not be able to help ourselves but go. We've learned that the track creates in us the action. Or, you know, the Macarena? Macarena. <laughs> you know that? Hey, Macarena. Huh? Like these things. Some of you are like, what? You know, you've been saved. There's a backing track that causes you to act in a certain way because you've, you've learned. You've watched. Oh, this is what everybody does here. And so you join in. You understand what I'm talking about? And people would talk about triggering and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it hits in so many ways. What Paul basically says is this, that you conduct yourself, you act out the backing track that you have in your head. That's the self. The self is formed by this, what could be called a worldview in technical language, or this understanding of the world, understanding of how life works, understanding of everything. And the two things that are most important about this, first of all, you are almost certainly unconscious of what your backing track is. You almost certainly do not know what the backing track is. It's so natural to you, you think, this is just how I think. This is just who I am. And the second thing is it's absolutely pervasive. It will determine nearly every single thing you do in nearly every single part of your life. So it's, it's something that you've just, you've imbibed, you've grown. This backing track is just built up in your head. And everywhere you go, you're like, you can't help it. You just, this is just what you do. And you find yourself playing it out in relationships. You find yourself playing it out in work, in so many places. So what is, potentially, the wisdom of the age that could be the backing track that you have in your head? There's a guy called Philip Reef, very clever guy. This is writing 50 years ago, 1967. Now, what I want to say to you is this. If you did not grow up in this country, we've got many, many of you, you've come to this country from abroad. This is almost certainly not your backing track. But if you've grown up in this country, this is almost certainly going to be the backing track that you've grown up with. The wisdom of the next social order, he said, in 1967, as I imagine it, it would reside not in right doctrine administered by the right man who must be found, but rather in doctrines amounting to permission for each man to live an experimental life. And he calls this the triumph of the therapeutic. He says, what's coming is everybody will just ask, oh, does this, is this feeling good? 
This will be the wisdom of the age, he says. This is what it will look like. And he says you're going to be told three things repeatedly. Break off unprofitable commitments. If it doesn't feel good to you, break your commitment off. Secondly, listen to your heart. Like What you need to do is listen to your heart. And the third thing is explore. Discover a version of yourself that makes you feel most alive, that feels like your best self. Three things. And if you think about Moana. Moana, you know the Disney cartoon? We just teach, we've taught this to our kids in this country. Moana, she grows up, she has around her the elders on the island who say to her, don't do this. She has to break off the unprofitable commitment to them. She has to ignore what her parents say, break off, sail away over the seas. What does she do? She learns to listen to her heart with the rock dancing around. With all, You know, have you seen the movie? We teach it to our kids. And then she discovers ultimately the version of herself. Oh, I'm Moana, I'm the sailor that makes her feel most alive. And not only that, it helps she goes back and helps her island. Mulan, almost exactly the same story, different context. She can't be a warrior because she's a girl. She has to break off the unprofitable commitment that's forced on her by tradition, by her culture. And it goes on. The Matrix would be one of the, you know, in the adult world, one of the most clear, ex- extreme examples. It, all these commitments you're made to keep, that's really, that's a matrix. That's a, it's just an oppressive thing. You've got to break off. Look inside yourself. Listen to yourself. And actually, you hear this everywhere. I just try to find some videos. And you, I mean, you could find every single day somebody saying, the most important thing is this. Don't let anybody else tell you how to live. Don't let anybody else decide what you want for you. Listen to your heart. You recognize that? You recognize that? And, and 50 years ago, Philip Reeve said this. Three things he predicted would come from this therapeutic identity formation. First of all, he said, because people are going to start breaking off any commitment that doesn't feel great, they're going to be dislocated from community, and there's going to be a massive increase in loneliness. Fifty years ago, he said this. Second thing he said is this. Because now all you do to try and find out how to live, you look inside yourself, there's going to be an ache. People want to be told, you've got the right you. There's a, people are relational. You need somebody to say, do you know what, Richard? You're living the right you, mate. But you don't do that anymore. Instead, you just look inside yourself. And because you don't have anybody else saying, yes, that's right or wrong, he said there's going to be a huge increase in anxiety. Massive increase in anxiety and a sense of what he calls dis-ease. And this is because there's not going to be any consensus on what's right, because everybody just looks inside themselves. Donald Trump, can, he doesn't predict Donald Trump, by the way, but uh, Donald Trump can look inside himself and say, this is what's right for me. This is what I feel to be right. And at the other end of the spectrum, somebody else can say, this is what I look inside myself. This is what I feel to be right. And there's no ability to agree on any consensus. So he says, what you'll see is that everything will become politicized. There'll be massive division across all of society. Now, I don't know about you, but this feels quite prophetic. He wrote this 50 years ago. Paul talks instead of, rather than being formed by this, rather than listen to your heart, rather than break off unprofitable commitments, he says, why don't you have your identity formed by the grace of God? Why don't you have your identity, why don't you have your backing track, the grace of God? Here's some verses. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that he died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that we 
who, who lives should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again. Just the whole book is full of statements about you, how God says, let me form you. I don't want to leave you on your own to just look inside your heart, to just do whatever feels right, to break off anything that doesn't feel. I want, I want to be here for you. I want to help you form yourself. And so what we find the identity formation based on the grace of God, this backing track, is that what Paul says is that you can have an identity not that's based on your own ability to find something, but it's gifted in the cross. God, God just says to you before you do anything, I love you. I love you so much, I will die for you. You are mine, you are valuable. It's a gifted identity. And then he validates you. He says, I'm going to be present in your life to comfort you, to watch over you, to be with you. I, I, I want to come, I want to be your validator. Before you do anything or say anything, I say, you are mine, I am yours, I love you, I'm for you. And then we don't look inward, but towards this loving God, trusting that all his desires for us are the best things possible for the world. So let me just illustrate this for you, the difference in the backing tracks. I don't know about you, but over the last 18 months, I've kind of gone some places and thought, why am I, why am I doing what am I doing? Why am I a pastor? It's a hard work. It's like really hard work. Why am I doing this? And, and in that moment, I can listen to a backing track that says, break off any unprofitable commitments, like be true, look in your heart, does this feel good, is this feeling great? And it's like, no, it's not feeling great, is it feeling profitable? No, it's not feeling profitable. I could listen to that backing track, and it takes you in a whole kind of, well, what would I do instead? What would I do? I, I don't know what I'd do. I, I haven't got a clue. I, I, you know, like. Or you can listen to the other backing track that says, God says, I love you. I'm with you. It's hard, but I'll comfort you. I've called you. I've asked you to do this. And I had this moment, I was like, I could think of several other jobs that actually I would prefer to do than this job. But then God said, but whoever asked you what was your perfect job? That's not the point of life. The point of life is you do what I ask. And as you say, okay, I'll do what you ask, suddenly that this freedom, oh my word, I don't have to put all the pieces together like the, in this hardest jigsaw piece ever. I don't have to put them all together because I trust him. He knows what he's doing. And again, this is the peace and the joy that comes from that. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is this. Look, you're going to hear all kinds of people saying this is who you should be. This is how you should live. This is the backing track you should listen to. He says, true freedom. Paul says, trust me, true life, true freedom. The real way to live is when you know you're loved and the God who loves you and watches over you when you just say, yes, okay, I'll live for what you say rather than what I think is best. And so what we have, just to bring this home, is a question for you. Do you have a backing track that is conducted by grace? Is the way you think about yourself, the way you make decisions, the way you run through it, is it something that's conducting you out of the grace of God? Because there's so much freedom and life. And what, it, it, what you will find is that there's many, many people who go to church, say they're Christians, have grown up in Christian homes, but the reality is the backing track they're working to is still this backing track, like the Corinthians was, 
of, I'm going to break off unprofitable commitments. I'm going to look inside myself, and I'm going to try and discover that experimentally, rather than I'm loved. God's spoken to me. He's called me. He's for me. That's the reality we're seeing right now. If you look at the church, you'll see it everywhere. And I just want to suggest to you one thing that I would love. I feel that biblically in this book, and God himself was the author of this book, right? So this is what he says on this. Uh, Rewrite your backing track. So it's Jesus' grace that defines you and how you understand yourself rather than this other stuff. So before, uh, this is a question. Be formed by the word, not just fed by the word. What I think I've come across, and I just offer this to you, is a, a yearning and a desire among many Christians that we want to find a verse in the Bible that makes us feel good in this moment. It's fed me, it's fed me. Oh, you know, Jesus died for me, he loves me. And we want to be fed by it. We want to we have those moments where therapeutically we read the Bible and it feels great. Okay, now if you're new to faith, start there. Okay, start there. If, you, if you've never really read the Bible, find those verses, love those verses, highlight those verses. That's absolutely where you should start. That's a wonderful thing. But if you're wanting to move on a bit in your faith, the reality is you don't want to be f- just fed by the word. You want to be formed by the word. You want to be formed by the word. Not just fed by the word. Not just like, here I stand, this is me. God, make me feel good about myself. Make me feel okay. No, it's like, actually, God, no, this is me. I want you to reshape me like I'm going to a gym, right? I don't want to just be like this twiglet man stood here like, oh, everybody tell me I'm great. No, I want you to change the way I look. I want you to change the way I live. I want you to change who I am. I want you to form me with your word. Now, if any of you go to the gym, you'll know there's a lot of hard work involved in that, right? That's hard work. And you're coming to the Bible and you're saying, form me with your word. Don't just feed me. Don't just make me feel good about myself. Oh, there's another lovely verse that says God loves me so much. He does. He does. But be formed. Be changed by the word. And so a verse, a thing that I just want to suggest is, have you ever used the phrase, oh, that resonates with me? I want to find a preacher who resonates with me. Oh, that teaching, it's good teaching today, Pastor. You know, Pastor, that, that teaching was really good today, Pastor. It really resonated with me. It really resonated with me. Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I want to listen, I want to find a preacher who resonates with me. And that resonance, I don't know if you know anything about resonance, resonance is like, the, it is like a shaking that you have. And when you're saying that resonates with me, what you're saying is that I'm obviously moving at the perfect speed. I'm so in tune with exactly what the gospel says that only something that shakes at exactly the same speed as me will I listen to. And if it resonates with me because I'm the judge of exactly what is perfect and good and beautiful and right, and if it resonates with me, I'll listen to it. And if it doesn't resonate with me, it's like I won't even hear it. And what we're seeing over and over, what I find over and over again is that all most Christians do is just try and find a preacher who says to them what they already think. Have you found that? Oh, I'm a single person. You need to preach to me about being single. Oh, I'm a black person. You need to preach to me about being black. Oh, I'm a white middle class person. You need to preach to me about being white middle class. And all anybody wants is you to preach to them exactly what they're resonating on already. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say 
The word is here to help you resonate. The word is here to cut you to the core between bone and marrow that it totally changes everything about you. So are you being formed by the word? First way to do this, do it in community. Do it in community. You're being told your backing track is break off on profitable commitments. Small groups, midweek small groups, I'm working really hard, I'm really busy. Oh, this thing, I went along the other week and all this bloke did was just talk about his thing and it was so boring and uh, unprofitable commitment. I don't think I'm going to do small groups anymore. It doesn't feel like it's working for me. Oh, hold on a minute. That's the wisdom of the age. The grace of God says, oh, do you know what? I'm going to trust that God himself, even if it doesn't resonate with me, he's going to teach me his word through this community, through these people. So if you want to be formed by the word, you go to a small group. Now you may go online, you may go part in line, part in person. There's a, listen next week, there's so many different options available. The second thing is you accept the authority of the word. You have to ultimately say, this knows better than I do. And again, what I see people saying is, oh, that was a good preach today, Tom. Oh, that was a good preach. You know, this guy's preaching a really good message. And you listen to the message, and there's basically no Bible in it. Like we're, we're saying, uh, our, our factor should be, what does this say? Not like, was it like, a, you know, did it make me jump up and down? Did it speak to exactly the topics I'm interested in? The question is, did it say what this says? And if you come to me at the end of a thing and say, do you know what, Tom, you said it was on this verse. and no, you didn't talk about that verse at all. I will say, do you know what? Help me get better. Help me get better. Because this is what needs to form us. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. And the, the church is the church. The church is the church when we're a community created by God, cared for by God, being formed by the word. And we can have lots of arguments. I've had lots of arguments with people in a nice, polite way when they basically say, I want to come to church and not be discipled. I want to come to church and be like me and you're going to look after me and make me feel good about being like me. And you're going to let me do what I want to do. And I'm saying, no, I want to form you by the word. And they're saying, no, 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 no. Just let me do these things. This is what it should be. This is what I want to be. I'm going to find another church where I can do these things. Well, go find another church where you want to do those things. But if they're a good church, they'll still want to form you in the word. That's, that's what we're about. That's what it is to be the church, to be formed by the word.